G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brekkie with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. How many fullbacks you already put in the side, mate? You know, seriously. Unfortunately, he's, he's playing an era where there's James Tedesco, you know. Yeah, thanks for sticking fat with me this Wednesday morning. Loyalty, is there room for it in professional sport? 13 13 55 0467 736 Yeah, Mel Meninga has made an art of being true blue, hasn't he? All the way through his Maroons reign and now as Kangaroos coach, sticking by his mate, sticking by his team when they're in a fight. And now he's being questioned by it and questioned for it. Val Holmes is fighting, fighting for his career, fighting for his reputation, fighting for his integrity after a moment of stupidity. He's admitted that and he's getting punished for it. Mal had a choice, cut him or keep him. Did he make the right one? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Loyalty in sport, it is our theme today, but has Mal gone too far this time? Val Holmes, he brought the game into disrepute. He's been fined. He's been suspended. Should he be playing for Australia? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. It's something I'll be asking Mal after 10.30 today. I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. I know it's something that the Lions are grappling with right now out at Springfield. The reviews are beginning today at their headquarters. And one of the big decisions they need to make is around one of the best the club has seen. To be honest with you, Paddy, I haven't really spoken to the club about it. I haven't spoken to my manager about it. Um, both parties know that we're keen so it'll um happen in due course i mean there's it's been a big big couple of um yeah. weeks so um once all the dust settles uh we'll get something sorted no doubt just oh, take good. him in a usb of that game mate Jeez, you were good <laughs> you were clean you were yeah real good down the back there in the middle oh i think just the biggest thing with me is getting that confidence back in my body heels and i was able to do that from um around 14 onwards so um, I can't see there being any um, issues for me not to go around again. I was really happy with how I played the last part of the year. I was actually really happy with my form leading up to my uh, few injuries there. So um, I had, did a lot of work in the off-season to get myself into a really good position. That may have caught up with me throughout the middle of the season, um, but I was able to reset everything I needed to do and, mm. and was able to finish the year off strongly. So... Um, yeah, we fall into a trap of sometimes, I reckon, 
people pushing the button a little bit early on, on ending blokes' careers. And um, yeah, I just feel as though there's, I'm playing good football. I'm still playing at a really high level. There was just there would just be no reason to. The team's winning as well. There's just no reason to um, hang them up when you know we're going so well as yep. an organisation. Yeah, there we go. D- Dane Zorko on Monday with Pat and Heels. He's made a compelling argument, hasn't he? Chris Fagan was asked about this during the final series where he said all stood with signings and Dane Zorko and said, look, that's a discussion for later. We'll, we'll deal with that after the finals. He could have put it to bed. He could have said, yep, Dane is part of our plans for next year. But he didn't. Now you can read into that too deeply too far. But I'm reading into the fact that he didn't put it to bed, so maybe there is still a decision to be made, still some uncertainty. I hope that's not the case. I think the Lions should extend Dane Zorko for all the reasons Zork's just said, and I'll go into more of them very shortly. But what do you reckon? We know we've seen over history of sport, especially in this state, we've seen coaches, selectors make really tough calls really tough calls, where loyalty hasn't been preserved, where they need to make a decision based on the benefit of the team. Wayne Bennett did it with Wally Lewis. He cut the king. Didn't re-sign him. Didn't extend his contract. Brought in a bloke called Kevy Walters. And we know the history there with the Broncos. Hindsight says it's the right call. At the time... I reckon there were 2 million Queenslanders. I'm pretty sure that was the population of Queensland at that time. Absolutely livid and ropeable. But over the test of time, letting the King go one season later and longer ended up being the right call for Wayne Bennett or not letting him go for one season too long. I spoke to Heels five minutes ago, brought up the old wounds there. Trevor Holmes, national selector, made a call. Heels, could he have got a gab of farewell? One final test in front of his home crowd, at his home ground, friends, family. It would have been fantastic. But the loyalty wasn't shown there. They ushered in the new era, Adam Gilchrist. And we've seen what's happened in that. We, we had Ian Healy, the best keeper we'd ever seen, replaced by Adam Gilchrist, the best keeper we've ever seen. Some of those calls are right. Some have been wrong. Do you remember some of the wrong ones? Do you remember some of the right ones? Let's share them this morning. As loyalty is being put to the test on the national level, at the state level, and at the club level. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. The show is stacked for you this morning. We've got the bowlologist coming up in about half an hour's time. Damien Fleming will go through Australia's chances at the World Cup. We had our final warm-up game against Pakistan overnight. A win to Australia. Uh, we saw some freak things with our top order, which was brilliant. And middle order too. They all got starts. They all got a bat. And David Warner got a bowl. What the hell was going on there? Probably the last time he'll roll the home over. Two overs, none for 41, I think the figures were. Yeah, we'll be talking Bathurst as well. Hey, there's loyalty. Ford or Holden? Has that gone out the window now that Holden really isn't around? I know it's General Motors. I know it's a Camaro. But do you stick loyal with your cars and car brands as a kid? Mum and Dad had a Kingswood, an HG Kingswood we called Roy. HG and Roy, right? Yeah, well, the Kingswood, they had since 1971. I think they sold it to my brother when he was 18. Anyway, we have been a Holden family ever since. 
You stick fat with the car brands, don't you? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. We'll get here after 10 o'clock to dissect what the hell is going on with Australian rugby uh, and the very slim chances the Wallabies have of progressing in the World Cup. Mm, Portugal needing to beat Fiji by eight points at least and deny them a bonus point as well. Plus, we have a $100 voucher. Drinks on us at the Lord Alfred, or it could be dinner on us, your choice. 13 13 55 0467 736 736 to be part of Queensland Sports Biggest Conversation. But before we do that, let's do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. I've seen a little bit of this. Um, you're reporting a little bit of this over the last 24 hours. I don't know what that speculation is and why. Um, we always seem to knock down players when they get to a certain age that we think they must retire. Um, my football's been as good as it's been over my career over the last um, 12 months. Um, my body's in really good shape. There's no reason as to why I wouldn't continue playing next year. Dane Zorko, last Thursday before the Lions' final training session at the Gabba. Age shall not weary them. He is four months shy of his 35th birthday and he's making a solid point that he's not done yet. And I 100% agree with him, don't you? You know the digits, 13, 13, 55. Age is just a number, isn't it? And we always hear if you're good enough, you're old enough. That's when they're young. What about the other end of the scale? If you're good enough, you're young enough. It should work the same way, shouldn't it? And I certainly think that Dane Zorko is good enough. Tonight, the Lions Club champion will be crowned. It's something that Dane Zorko has won five times before. Michael Voss is a five-time winner of the club champion at the Brisbane Lions. I don't know if Dane will win it tonight. I think I think Josh Dunkley will come really close to winning it. I know it's a big call, isn't it, when Lockie Neal wins his second round, though. But they do vote differently on this. It's about the role you play for the team and it's about doing your role rather than the individual performances. And I think that's why Dane Zorko will probably have a podium finish again. But, geez, he's got some hot competition. But that's the whole point. He is part of a team and a team that is stuck loyal, stuck fat. Five-time best and fairest winner. The last was two years ago. This season, Dane Zorko has averaged 19 disposals, three and a half tackles a match and two clearances per game. Now, they're the main numbers people look at, disposals, tackles, clearances. But for me, the ones that count with Zorks are kicks, handballs, and marks. Ball use, what he does with the ball. And he is one of the best the Lions have. He's one of the best in the comps. He's averaging more marks, more handballs than last year. And his kicks, well, they're steady as well. Goal assists are up from 12 months ago. So he has had a better season this year than last. His tackles per match, they've increased this year. As he's getting older, he is getting better. He is getting fitter. This is where the great Dane excels. Pressure. Dialing it up on the opposition. What was that? He goes too far, does he? Overstepping the mark, pushing the envelope. Well, guess what? This year, free kicks against Dane Zorko, they're down on last year. Free kicks for Dane Zorko, and he'd be surprised at this because he knows and always says he gets a raw deal by the umps. Well, free kicks for are actually up for Dane Zorko this year. He's learning, he's maturing as the years go on. Dane Zorko needs to be given another contract by the Lions. It's a no-brainer, right? 
1-800-736-736. And again, that's not just an opinion. As you've just heard, the numbers, it's counting. But what about the stuff away from the numbers? The, the stuff that you can't measure. Absolutely, yeah. Like, he's played some sensational football this year. Um, you know, he started late. He's been such a massive part of our group for such a long period of time. And, um, boys, absolutely love having him around the club. He's done so much for us, me personally, and also the boys at the club. And, you know, his performance has been unbelievable. And, um, you know, congratulations to him on Game 250. He's a heart and soul player, and I think he's still got plenty left to give. He's that guy that's always bringing his best when we're when our back's against the wall and we're down a little bit. Yeah, Hugh McCluggage and Harris Andrews, all part of the leadership group. In fact, Harris Andrews, one of the co-captains who took over from Dane Zorko when he stood down from the captaincy. There we go. There's another mark of the man. It's not about him personally. It's about the team and what's best for the team, the unselfish acts and him standing down as captain for this year, handing the reins over to a Lockie Neal and uh, Harris Andrews. Well, we've seen what that's done for the team as well. But bigger picture stuff, when, when teammates want to play with you, that's half the battle, right? Heart and soul of the club stands up when our backs are against the wall. It, it's something Chris Fagan actually credits why Brisbane have been a force to reckon with over the last six years. Zorko at the wheel. Five years he was club captain and it coincided with the club being turned around. They played finals every year. Two prelims in three seasons when he had his hands on the wheel and he was voted their best player twice since taking over the captaincy. But it's the way Dane Zorko leads. It's what he brings to that team, brings to the game. He's not the biggest. He's not the quickest. But it's the pressure that he applies to the opposition. It is suffocating. The tackles, the chase downs, the laser-like kicks. We saw him get switched to halfback last year. And it looked like that's when time is catching up to you. That, that's almost, it's almost like a, in cricket when you get dropped down to number six. You know that maybe your time is nigh. But what he did at halfback was gave his team time. He'd get the ball, he'd slide down, he'd play it at their pace, he'd swing momentum. He, he was leading. Then this year, the, something that is almost unheard of, that trip down to halfback, well, he was switched back into the forward line, into the midfield. He went from one foot into the retirement home to setting up the best attack in the comp. Zorks, go get the ball, go create some magic. I mean, there's a reason why they call him the magician. And where does that come from? Well, this is the true essence of Dane Zorko and why loyalty needs to be shown at the Lions. It comes from years of being overlooked. It comes from years of missing the draft, being told he was too small, too angry, too sluggish. The Brickies labourer from Broadbeach. As a host of other Queenslanders broke into the AFL, Zorks was dominating at the local level, in the local comp. He was a club captain. He was a state rep. He won Broadbeach's Best and Fairest for three consecutive years, 08, 09, 2010, but kept getting overlooked. Too small, too angry, groins that wouldn't hold up, too sluggish. So he went on a fitness rampage. If he couldn't match them in size, he'd beat them around the ring. He'd outlast them. And it worked. In 2012, Dane Zorko debuted against Collingwood. Isn't that ironic? He plays his 250th in the grand final against them as well. But since then, he's had one of the more remarkable careers. Since 2012, he's missed just 16 games. 16. 
Nine of them came in the last two years. He's won five best and fairest. He's equal Vossi as that. And when you bust it down, he's one of just 20 players in the AFL to be crowned their club champion five times. One of just 20. Only 12 players in AFL history have won more. Yet again, when asked about what's happening with Dane Zorko next year, during the final series, Chris Fagan said we'll come to that after the finals are done. It may have been, sure, let's get this out of the road first, but he could have shut it down. He could have said, no, no, Dane's in our plans for next year. But he didn't. And right now, they're inside the Lions' den conducting their end-of-season review. Right now, conversations are being had about next year. Those conversations must include giving Dane Zorko their fifth most capped player, their most experienced player now on the list that Daniel Rich has gone, giving him another contract. Loyalty in sport. Is that where the Lions need to go here? Or do they need to make a tough decision and bring the next player through? And if so, who is that player? Who's knocking on the door? Whose spot is he keeping someone out of? He's still in their best 22, right? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Loyalty in sport. Is there still a place for it? Has it gone too far as far as Mal Meninga and the Kangaroos? And what about the Lions and the decision they have to make? If you're in the driver's seat, if you're on the list management, what decision do you make? I'm going to hand it over to you now. 0467 736 736. If you can't call, you can only text. As I said, prizes to give away. Drinks on us at the Lord Alfred or dinner. On us. 20 minutes past nine. Uh, this rainy, gloomy, grey, slippery Wednesday morning. SENQ Ben Davis with you until midday today. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. So darling, darling, stand by me. Yeah, stand by me. It's exactly what Mel Meninga has done with Valentine Holmes. Even Josh Adokar, who's still got to have a please explain of what happened at the uh, uh, Curry knockouts. Does Valentine Holmes deserve to be wearing an Australian jersey coming in this upcoming Pacific Championship? I have no qualms with it. I'm a big believer of redemption. I'm a big believer of second chances. But I know... There are differing opinions out there. I know some who have said, why is someone who brought the game into disrepute allowed to be wearing an Australian jersey? It's something I asked Brent Tate yesterday. So take Valentine Holmes out of it. If it's someone who's done something like this or has brought the game to disrepute, he said, no, the test jersey should be sacrosanct. It does devalue the jersey if you're allowing somebody who has done something to tarnish the game play in it. Are you of that ilk? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, Cal, thank you for your text. He said, Benny, we saw this year with the Maroon selections, Ponga and Gagai would have been sitting in Newcastle somewhere wondering what happened because Walshie and the Hammer became origin shoe-ins for the next 10 years. There we go. There's a spin on the loyalty card, isn't it? Right call by Billy Slady, you think? And it has allowed Kalen Ponga to go on and become the Dalian medalist. 
Uh, Glenn has said the Lions should have played Jack Payne on Bobby Hill. <laughs> oh, dear. Could anyone have played on Bobby Hill in the form he was in that first quarter and that first half of the grand final? Uh, Razor, thank for your text, Ben. I believe that Zorks will get another year. And his replacement the year after will be the youngest Ashcroft brother. I think that's Levi Ashcroft, who we're hearing by all accounts is uh, better at his age than Will was. God, isn't that saying something? However, sadly, there will be a few senior lines that are running around in the reserves uh, listed over the next or delisted over the next few days. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, may be the case. I mean, we saw Jared Lyons. Jared Lyons, the sub for the grand final, he ended up winning the VFL Player of the Year, not not, not just for the Lions, but the whole comp. So depth is their strength at the Brisbane Lions. Um, Zorks, you'd have to think, is a shoe in right, for getting a contract for next year. Uh, we are turning our attention to Cricket World Cup. Damien Fleming, the bowlologist. It's easy for you to say, Ben. Uh, in the next 15 minutes, just having a look at what's happened uh, overnight, Australia had their final warm-up match for the World Cup against Pakistan, and they got the job done. It was a fantastic effort by the top order, uh, and in fact, the middle order too, uh, all getting starts, uh, five of them passed uh, 40. Uh, Glenn Maxwell. He hits some straps. He hits some absolute belters too. Uh, six sixes in innings uh, past 70. Uh, he had some fireworks in him. There was reverse sweeps. I know reverse sweeping in India. What are we doing? Six sixes in 71 balls for 77 runs. Uh, this was the big show just after the match. Yeah, I think I think we got a lot out of this practice match. Obviously, it was a bit more difficult against the Dutch um, with the weather around and limited overs, but... I felt like tonight was a, a nice final hit out for the whole group. Yeah, I, I feel 100% ready for that first game. I, I think we were probably just testing out a few things like the way we tape the ankle, uh, how it sort of uh, bounces back after being a bit sore and stiff, not not warming up. Um, so we probably tested a few things out. I had two different spells out in, the, out in the field, bowling as well as rain around the field. And just to sort of see how the ankle reacts uh, when it is put under a bit of duress and um, even even though I batted for a while, I probably um, left a fair bit in the tank as far as like running between the wickets hard. I didn't have to bat at the back end, so I wasn't moving around too much. Um, so I suppose to sort of counter that, I suppose having a bit of a bowl, running around the field and um, and just seeing what it comes off cold. So it was, um, it, it was for me personally, that was the perfect test to sort of see how it goes through those sort of different um, bits of duress and um, felt like I've come out the other side really well. Yeah, when we don't have... Um, uh, Tanvir or Zamps out there, it's probably a little bit more crucial having that, uh, I suppose, spin option. Um, uh, as I said, it was it was crucial for those go other guys to get some overs in tonight just to sort of see how they go. And um, I suppose that's why Hetty gives us such a great balance in our, in our lineup um, to, to have that extra spin option and, and just give the, the quicks a bit of a chop out. And we can see how, how successful it can be over here to just get through an over or two here and there, uh, keep the run rate down. and. I suppose, allow the quicks a bit of a rest to, to come back at them. But um, ball's coming out as well as it ever has. And it's probably, um, yeah, it's, I suppose, it's just been at, at that place in my career where I probably don't warm up as much or train as much with my bowling. I've just got a real nice um, clarity about how, how it's coming out and um, what I need to do. Yeah, there we go. Glenn Maxwell, the big show after putting on a, a big show against Pakistan. Just looking through this bowling list, and he mentioned the bowlers there. They, they used eight different bowlers, Australia, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, and what you'd have to think would be a pretty uh, 
almost their first pick side to, to play the World Cup opener on Sunday. Uh, Stark, Cummins, uh, Sean Abbott, um, Mitch Marsh, Marnus Labashane was the destroyer, picking up three for 78 off his eight overs. Steve Smith was given a trundle, um, none for 40 or four. David Warner, none for 41 of two. I can imagine giving David Warner a, a bowl at one end just to try and switch up a bowler from, you know, change ends. But what, why give him two? It's probably the last time he'll get a shout. Uh, but Australia winning by 14 runs. Uh, seven for 351. They posted electing to bat first and they bowled Pakistan out for 337. So great result there for uh, Australia. And again, um, looking through one, two, three, four, five. Yep, five of the top and middle order, all passing 40. Cameron Green finishing 50 not out as well, off 40 balls. All right, time to get a news hit with Vanessa. We'll get back to your text straight after this. Yeah, 9.35, thanks for your company this Wednesday morning. Uh, Shield cricket kicking off for Queensland. They are in New South Wales. The Blues have won the toss and sent Queensland in. The first over, none for none. There's a start. Uh, Bryce Street and Matt Renshaw opening the batting for Queensland. Let me see. Yeah, Joe Burns listed at number three. Uzi coming in at number four. Uh, text with no name on it. 658 is what it ends in. Zorko. Too slow, makes dumb decisions with the ball. His leadership was poor and cost us at times. Tell him he's dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, thank you. Was that Daryl or Dale Kerrigan? That was Daryl Kerrigan, wasn't it? Yeah, I keep getting the two confused. Yeah, tell him he's dreaming. I'm wondering which games he watched um, of the Lions. And I'm assuming it was a he who texted in. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. A man who knows what it's like to play a World Cup in India. On the other side of this, the biologist, Damien Fleming. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Uh, 9.41 this Wednesday morning. Michelle, thank you for your text message. Ben, a truckload of beer has just overturned, fallen off in Caxton Street. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be causing a bit of traffic chaos. Uh, the cleanup crew there. And um, I'm sure you can go in and help. Yeah. I wonder if they were cans. I wonder if they were bottles. Either way, if you've got any more details, let us know. 13, 13, 55. You think it's amazing. <laughs> you think it's amazing, do you, Blocker? They go for it. And Donald's run out. And Australia are in the final. The match has been tied. What a mix-up. Ah, uh, there we go. Reliving World Cup memories of 1999. And my next guest was right in the thick of that. In fact, his World Cup journey started in India three years earlier than that in 1996. Damien Fleming, a very good morning to you. What about your first World Cup match? Is that career best figures for you in, in one day, as if I remember my stats correctly? Jeez, that's a long time ago now. Um, and it was Queensland's own, Craig McDermott, who... Uh, blew out his calf in the first game in that World Cup that, that gave me the opportunity to get myself into the team 
um, and we we upset India in, in Mumbai. Um, I did get my best figures, uh, five for thirty odd, um, but it was actually Mark War bowling off spinners. Um, Sachin Tendulkar was dominating like he always did against us. And he ran down the track and Junior threw a wide one. And um, you don't give Ian Healy half a sniff, do you, to get a stumping? And he also stumped him. And that, that really won the game for us. But great memories playing in two World Cups. Um, they're long tournaments. They're, they're, it's about momentum, um, getting your team right, getting lucky with injuries. Um, so I think it's very open, but but hopefully the, the Aussies can can go all the way and and win. I think their sixth title. Flame, I'm just looking at that scorecard. This is I'm, I'm, I am going to go a trip down memory lane. Uh, LBW Fleming, Bold Fleming, Bold Fleming, Bold Fleming, and um, uh, Court Lee. So I mean they were all pretty good balls to be bowling out um, half of Indians' top order, including the captain. Uh, Jadeja was there as well, as Radin. I mean, that's that was some pretty big scalps for your first World Cup match. So, Australia, you reckon sixth World Cup coming their way in India? You, you were confident of, uh, of how we're heading into this? I wouldn't say I'm super confident. I mean, the, the hard thing, um, probably even just in the four years since that, that classic final, um, at Lords between England and New Zealand is um, just how congested the international schedules become, yeah. and and even um, teams changing their lineups between 50 over cricket and T20 cricket. So it's actually really hard to work out each team's best 11 um, or even best squads, really. So. Um, and even just recently in, in South Africa, you know, they just chuck in three T20s, um, which really have no impact, I think, for the team and, and form going in. So, um, yeah, I think Travis Head's a big out, and let's hope um, he's fine halfway through the tournament. I think him opening with Warner can get us off to a flyer. Um, also, you know, who's who's going to play out of our all-rounders? We've, we've gone with, with three or four mm. um, all-rounders there. And then um, just the different conditions, you know, up north of India might suit the fast bowlers a bit more, down south the spinners. Um, but I certainly have us making the semis. Um, you know, India at home are, are a juggernaut. They won it at home in 2011. England ceiling batting-wise um, is massive. You know, that they've um, probably started baseball with their one-day cricket um, seven or eight years ago after a disappointing 2015 World Cup. And, and then it's a bit of a lottery, South Africa, New Zealand, who always seem to overachieve in World Cups, Pakistan. But, but certainly think the Aussies um, can go deep into this tournament. Cameron Green, 50 off 40 balls overnight. Um, you spoke about the all-rounders. We, we've seen Glenn Maxwell, 77 off 71, and he, he picked up a, a wicket as well. Marcus Stoinis seems to be the, not the odd man out, but, I mean, do you see a role for him in this World Cup? I do, but I, I just don't know who's who's going to play um, mm. and how much bowling Mitch Marsh will do. You know, Mitch Marsh's white ball... Well, sorry, his ashes was fantastic too, but generally yeah. his white ball cricket the last four years has been phenomenal. Um, you know, just becoming um, a powerhouse with the bat, 
um, if he can if he can bowl, you know, th- then that gives us the opportunity to bowl uh, play another specialist bowler and, and not an all rounder. Um, Stoyne hasn't played the last few games, so I'm not sure whether um, you know he's fully fit and they know what he's got and they wanted to get games into Maxi that hasn't played a lot. Yeah, find out whether Cam Green plays. Um, on their day, I mean, they're they're all absolute match winners, but you know you don't you don't want to be filling your team with um, part time batters and bowlers. I, I think you still need to to at least have four frontline bowlers. At this stage, I'd be thinking, you know, Stark, Mitchell Stark, who's probably got the best World Cup record of, of any Australian fast bowler. Yeah, Hazelwood, I think, is number two in the rankings. Cummins and then Zampa. We are a bit short with spin, aren't we? We didn't replace Agar. So Zampa's playing, but if he gets injured or gets whacked around a bit, we don't we don't have too many options there. Um but but batting wise, you know, we've got experience, haven't we? Got a lot with Warner, Marsh, Smith, Labashane, um, Maxwell. Um, so, you know, I think experience wise the big tournament. I don't think our boys will be overawed, but yeah, it's just working out what our best eleven is going into the tournament. I know it was only a warm up match overnight and Australia used eight bowlers. Marnus picking up three wickets, so there, there's a spin option there. Uh, Mitch Marsh picked up two, so he opened the batting and and also bowled as well. No Cameron Green bowling, but they used Steve Smith. They used David Warner, and I'm still trying to get my head around that. Maxi was a, an option as well, so taking just one, or just having Zampa there and then have backing using the using a Marnus or using a Glenn Maxwell, is that fraught with, with danger? Especially in India. Oh, I did, I, it is, but I think um, yeah, Maxwell's better than a than a part timer. Yeah. Um, and he took four wickets in the last game. I, I think this game was about getting some overs into spin. You know, I don't think we're going to see Dave Warner bowling his leggies. Um, Ever again. Doubtful about Stephen Smith. <laughs> Ever again. But certainly, Mar- certainly, Marnus, you know, is, is an option if things aren't working to change it up. Um, he bowls leg spin, but he's a bit different than, than Adam Zampa. Um, but I think if it's Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood and Zampa, you know, 10 overs between Mitchell Marsh, Stoyner slash Green um, and Maxwell will, will probably be enough, I think. Um, the only danger is later in the tournament, if wickets get worn and it starts to spin more, it'll be... It'll be, it'll be um, ideal to have a potent second spinner, which we don't have. Damien Fleming, my guest this morning, he's played twice for Australia at a World Cup. Uh, his one-day record, we know he's a death bowler. We know his record there. He is the bowlologist. Flem, I, I want to just pick your brains, though, about outside of playing. What What does a tour of India look like? What What are some of the, the things that players have to grapple with and also deal with being in that fishbowl of not only in India, but during a World Cup? Yeah, I think it's a bit different than, um, yeah, back in 1996, you know, I, I remember getting to, to the airport and, and, and there was just thousands of Indian fans at the airport and then the bus ride to our hotel, um, the streets were just lined. Um, with fans and it was just loud the whole time and got to the hotel and the foyer was, was full of fans as well. Um, 
yeah, I think security looks after that a little bit more. Um, but the thing that hit me, well, particularly that first game or second game against India, you know, I described it like a Metallica mosh pit intensity. It was just packed and it was so loud um, when you play against India. And, and generally, they'll get pretty good crowds everywhere. Um, these days, they, they, they'll have a big team room where they can play ex-golf. I think Marnus has got his cafe. Um, so it's a lot different than than what it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, what did you have in the, the team? Ground. What did you have in the team room? Bet you it was no baristas well, and ex-golf. Beers. Yeah, beers. <laughs> beers. And, and, and I think we watched Dumb Dumber for um, 50 times out of the 60 <laughs> nights, basically. Um, the hard thing was actually finding a VHS. That, that was the difficult thing um, back then in India. So, yeah, definitely different. Um, and particularly places like Mumbai and Bangalore and, um, you know, they're very westernised these days. So the, the restaurants and, and getting out is, is, is a lot more accessible. Mm. And and a lot of these guys, it's like a second home because they play in the IPL. So they'll, they'll have a lot of friends and et cetera to catch up. And in 50 over World Cups, you can see it spread. So they, they will have a fair bit of um, downtime. So, you know, that, that, that will be recovering, getting themselves right. A lot. There's a lot of golfers, uh, a lot more golfers in the team than you know, when I first played. So, um, But the big thing about 50 over World Cup is picking a time. When you're on, um, you know, you need to be building momentum. You don't want to be like we were in the 99 World Cup, losing two out of the first three games and then having to rely yeah. on results. Well, winning every game well and relying on, on results. You want to get ahead of the game. But um, but certainly having India first game is massive. You know, if they can have a win like we did back in 1996 um, to beat the, the host at home, you know, that does get momentum your way. It does get India on the back foot. And, that, and that's the only thing I can see with India is how they deal with the pressure of having a, a home World Cup because, you know, on paper they've got most things covered. Um like with England, they've got a massive ceiling batting-wise. You know, some a youngster like Shubman Gill has probably been the form. Mm. One-day batsman with Baba Azam in the last few years. Boomer is back. Uh, Siraj is the number one rated one-day bowler. They've always got spin options. You know, someone as good as Ashwin might not play. So, on paper, that you know, they look the favourites to me. But we know pressure. Can get to, to can get to anyone, so and it, it'll be how they handle that. Exactly, and it all starts Sunday night, half past six hour time in Chennai, a day nighter against India. Flem, let's keep in touch during the tournament, mate. I really appreciate your insight, being there and done it all before. Damien Fleming, oh, two World Cups for Australia and on debut, picking up career best figures, five for thirty six. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! <laughs> you can just imagine the Australian cricket team in India watching that for 50 of the... 
Sydney Knights over there, Damien Fleming. Some good stories. Look, 10 o'clock, after Vanessa's news, we'll be chatting with Will Genia. All things Wallabies and Australian rugby. I know you have some deep thoughts on this. Latrell Mitchell has responded to playing in the Curry knockout and not for Australia. And Mal Meninga, after 10.30, has loyalty gone too far with him keeping Val Holmes in an Australian jumper after his indiscretions? Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Thanks for your company. Four minutes past ten this Wednesday morning. The Queensland Bulls have started their Shield season. They've been sent into bat by New South Wales down in Sydney. Currently none for 19. Bryce Street leading the way. 13 not out. Matty Renshaw opening the batting with him uh, on four. All right. Let's go to the open line right now. Razor, you are our eyes and ears. Good morning to you. You've seen... The catastrophic crash on Caxton Street. What can you tell us? Uh, morning, Ben. Yeah, it's on the Hale Street exit. It's roughly 7.30 this morning. I was taking that exit. And two amazing things happened at that time. One, this stuff started falling out of the sky at a million k's an hour, and it um, just turned Caxton Street black. And two a car decided to turn right, uh, left from the right-hand lane, causing the truck to brake heavily, and his load just came out of the back of the of his truck. And it was amazing. The only reason nobody stopped, one, was because of the rain, and two, because it was only palm beer. <laughs> any other beer, I think we all would have stopped and give him a hand. All right. For those just tuning in, we had a message from Michelle earlier to say that a beer truck had crashed and spilt its load at Caxton Street. So, Razor, you saying this happened early this morning? Is it is it still there? Is it mopping up? How many? How how greater? Uh, how greater spillage was it of Han beer? Well, if Michelle seen it when she texted you, it would have still been there. I went back past it earlier, and it was still there. But um, that was a good two hours since it happened when Michelle texted so I'd say uh, they're probably still cleaning up. There was a lot of cans, a lot of cans and not a lot of helpers. Yeah. There were two guys um, trying to pick it up. But as I said, if it had been the mighty 4X, I think they might have got a few more people uh, rain permitting, I think. So it was a good start to the cricket season, put it that way. No it's... one wanted to play no. <laughs> in the rain. No, that, that, that's very true. And I reckon there would have been a, a few footy fans around town still wanting to drown their sorrows after the weekend. Razor, appreciate the call. 13, 13, 55. You are our eyes and ears. Anything that's happening around town. But obviously, of course, you are part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. We've got a, a drinks on us or dinner on us. You choose at the Lord Alfred Hotel. It's to the best caller of the day, 13-13-55 Razor. It would be in the clubhouse right now. It doesn't have to be about sport. Again, what's going on around town? Uh, look, just having a look at Latrell Mitchell here, and he has responded to him playing at the Curry Knockout. Uh, the Curry Knockout, sorry. He's saying, I play for my country because I love it. 
it's not my time to put the green and gold jersey on this year. It's for someone that deserves a crack. Bradman Best or Hamaso Tabuai Fido. But I will be back. Curry Knockout was to simply give back to so many that deserve it. I love my culture and my people. Don't get it twisted. So there we go. Luttrell in his own words, why he wasn't available to play for Australia yet was able to play uh, at the knockout, the Curry knockout. Uh, Mal Meninga coming up after 10.30 today. So many questions to put to him. He's always great for a chat, always great with his time as well. Before we get into rugby league, I, I do want to talk rugby union and the World Cup. The Wallabies, well, it's a bit like Damien Fleming and uh, and Dumb and Dumber. There's still a chance. That's right. They are still a chance after beating Portugal. But now Portugal need to do us a favour and they need to beat Fiji by eight points and make sure there is no bonus point there. But bigger picture stuff, isn't there? Australian rugby, we, we're scratching our heads. We're wondering what's happened. You know my views on it about the private schools, uh, GPS and uh, uh, the uh, AIC, they are now a nursery for rugby league. Someone who's been through it, not only from an Australian point of view with the Wallas, Wallabies, but was also part of that GPS system, is on the line now all the way from Japan. Um, he's played in three World Cups for Australia, uh, 100-plus tests. He's one of our most successful halfbacks of all time. Will Getty, great to talk to you again, mate. Uh, thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate it. All right, where do we start? Uh, let's talk France. Um, tipping it would have been hard watching for you over the last three weeks. Yeah, mate. It, obviously, incredibly disappointing. You know, I mean, I really feel for the boys more than more than anyone else. You know, a lot of people, a lot of criticism, and you know, rightfully so. But you can see how much they're hurting. You know, how much they've put into wanting to be successful at the World Cup, and you know, for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's a number of them, they just haven't been able to, to have that success and. Um, yeah, I'm just as, as a proud Wallaby. You know, I, I, I love the team. I love, um, I love, I love my country. So to see that the way things are, it's, it's it definitely hurts and it's pretty disappointing. Well, I guess that's one thing that we've we've kind of lost in discussions because we we're, we're we're passionate. We want the Wallabies to be successful. They're not, and it's very easy to throw stones and cast aspersions. But what would players be going through? I mean, your 110 tests for Australia, not all of them were successful. So how much? the players hurt and how hard is it to pick yourself up after that? It hurts a lot. You know, I think people can see players after test matches and see that they're with their families or their friends and they're smiling, they're swapping jerseys. And and the expectation is that they should be disappointed on the outside. But the thing is, regardless of what it looks like, they're hurting because they put in so much time, so much effort, so much energy and preparation to want to do well, to want to represent their country well, their families well. Uh, and it just hurts. And then you add the criticism around the fact that you know they're being spoken about as the worst Australian team at a World Cup. Now, they could be the first team to not make it through the quarterfinals. So there'll be a lot of pain there um, and, and a lot of disappointment, not felt just by the players, but by their families and their friends as well. And you know, the criticism obviously adds to that. And, and to be fair, the criticism is justified because of the fact that they haven't been performing. Um, but I think that, like I said, as, as a former world and someone who loves the team, you know, I, I can definitely empathise with them and and, uh, and and feel a little bit of their hurt. Can you harness that hurt? Can you harness the criticism, use it as, as motivation, or is that just a bridge too far? Well, I think they have to. You know, for the game to continue to fight, to, to function successfully in the country, this, this particular group of Wallabies, you know, Eddie spoke a lot about wanting to regenerate the squad 
And so he moved on a lot of older players, a lot of experienced players to do so. So then I think the responsibility is on this young group to repay that faith. And they're going to have to use the disappointment as fuel to to hopefully have success in the future. Because, again, a lot was spoken about regenerating the squad for the, for the next four-year cycle for the Lions series in Australia in a couple of years and then the Home World Cup. Mm. So it is very much incumbent on this group of players to, to not... Uh, to not fold under that pressure and under that expectation, you know, it's for them to then take this, take that pressure, walk towards it, and and move into this next four-year cycle and use the disappointment as fuel. And I, I, I think that they will because there's a good core group of players there, a lot of young and experienced players there. And you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm an optimist in the sense that I hope that they will use it, um, use the trust and the faith that the coaches have shown in them to 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 take their games to the next level individually and hopefully collectively as Wallaby team. Will, I'm with you. I'm an optimist. I remember Johnny Wilkinson being part of a team that played at Suncorp Stadium. I'm, oh, I'm going to say 1997. I think it may have been a little bit later than that. Well, they got pumped 74 nil by Australia. But then we know what happened in 2003 with Johnny Wilkinson and Australia and World Cup finals. So it, it could be the making of Australian rugby. But things need to change, don't they? What's the biggest problem as you see it? Oh, look, I think there's there's a number of things. I mean, the things that off the top of my head that I can think of immediately is just um, there needs to be a little bit more investment, I think, at the grassroots level, uh, club rugby and rugby in schools. Um, and, and then the other thing as well is, you know, r- r- rugby league, for example, is such a great product and it's free to air. It's so accessible to everyone that everyone, you know, even as rugby players, we're so incredibly interested in the game because it's, it's, it's easily accessible. It's there to see. Mm. Um and, and that drives participation, that drives interest in the game, uh, and it drives connection to the fan base. So I think, you know, like I, I think that there needs to be more investment at a club level and grassroots level to further develop talent at a younger age. And then the fact that if we can make the game a bit more accessible, it allows that younger talent coming through to want to stay engaged in the game. Because a lot of kids now coming through the programs like the GPS schools where traditionally it's been a nursery for rugby. Because rugby league is so accessible, they see it. They, they they want to be a part of it. And you combine the fact that rugby league teams have a bunch of money. Once they see talented young kids in in the GPS nursery system, you know, they they, they, they go and they take them because they can afford to offer them contracts when they're 15, 16-year-olds. 16 16 rugby, because we don't have the money, we're relying on, you know, the love and the passion for the game. But it's hard to develop that love and passion if it's not easily accessible to everybody to see and to, to, to stay connected to the game in that sense. Uh, Will, I'd almost argue that rugby somehow does have the money or they find the money to to pay someone like a Joseph Suwali uh, the best part of one and a half million plus a year. There's been talks this week about Angus Crichton uh, having a deal pulled on him to go to rugby. So two league players, two New South Wales uh, origin reps. And you'd have to think, it's almost like, it's almost like shutting the gate after the horse has bolted, isn't it? But when you put that money and try and invest into a, a young Joseph Suali who's at that school level to, to try and keep them in the system rather than let them flourish or develop in rugby league and then poach them afterwards. 100%. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I think stuff like that, decisions like that are essentially made to paper over the cracks and band-aid the situation, you know, the, the problems that we've got. I'd much rather see that. Now, he's, Joseph's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I'd much rather see that money get put into um, 
as you said, nurturing young talent that we've already got invested in the game in school or at club level and keeping them in the game so that we, you know, rather than paying for a rugby league player to come over and have a year or two to learn the game, we have guys coming through our systems that already understand the game. I'd also like to see that money put into coaching at younger levels as well. I think that's an area of focus that we need to be better at. I think we really struggle for quality coaches right throughout the system. Coaches that genuinely understand how to help develop skill and coach players to be able to make good decisions on the field. And again, it's got to start at the younger level where you understand the game at a, um, you understand the game well and you grow throughout the levels of the game. Whereas, as you said, if we're just buying players from rugby league, we're buying those players basically more so for their name and for their profile to, to paper over a lot of the cracks and problems that we've got in the game. Uh, Will, you, you, were a, you were a BBC boy, weren't you? Yep. Did you did you see that firsthand? Did you see players that you played with or, or blokes that you went to school with getting lured by rugby league more so than rugby union? Well, I, was, no, I, I didn't see it, no, because I, like we um, around that time, like when I was in school, we had like the, the academy for the Queensland Reds was quite strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, beneath the academy, we had a thing called the National Talent Squad. So there were... As a kid coming through, we had like you could see genuine pathways to wanting to get to professional rugby. So I was a 15, 16 year old kid as a part of the national talent squad, which was, you know, the best young kids in the country um, in each state brought together to train, you know, three, four times a week. And then you had the Queensland 16s and schoolboy system, the Australian schoolboy system, and then off the back of that, you went into the academies for the Super Rugby clubs if you were good enough. So there were genuine pathways there. With at the time, I thought was very good quality coaching. So as a young kid coming through who loved rugby, I could see a pathway towards wanting to get to where I want to get to. Whereas I think nowadays, where instead of putting the investment from a financial perspective into those sorts of pathways and strengthening those, mm. like I said, we're, we're, putting, we're, we're trying to fix a problem from the top down, which I don't think works. And it, it obviously hasn't worked if you look at the results of the Wallabies at the moment. We just had a text come through, Will, saying the GPS rugby system doesn't care about Australian rugby. It only cares about the nine-week competition. And you can understand that, can't you? Because a school is is looking to win a, a first 15 premiership. And, and that's what their prime motivation is. So is it about Rugby Australia getting into the nurseries and... And and maybe even allowing because we, uh, when we've discovered when we've discussed this before, um, I, I remember one caller saying that his son was banned by the school from playing club rugby on a Sunday he, during GPS season and 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 playing rugby for school. That was it. That's all they were allowed to play. The school almost put a ban on that. Yeah, so, you, think, so your club system is 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 faltering. Man, I think that's crazy. Like I remember as a kid. Um, I was at DVC. I'll be playing rugby on Saturday, Sunday. You'll be training every day, week, because you're training for school as well as club, and it was the most amazing thing ever. You yeah. get to do what you love more, and through doing that, you develop that passion and connection to the coach. And I think you're right. Like that, The fact that the GPS schools are not allowing their players to play club rugby, it's a symptom of the fact that everybody within the game in Australia is driving their own agendas. There's no connection. There's no, there's no oneness in wanting to grow the game. And I think you see that even... Um, with the with Rugby Australia and the Super Rugby teams, you know every, everyone seems to have their own agenda, and there's no um, there's no connectedness to wanting to drive the game in in a better direction. And I think people have been speaking about centralisation of the game through Rugby Australia having uh, control over the game as a whole in the country. I think that'd be the best thing because 
immediately that gets everyone on the same page as opposed to everyone saying, well, you can't do this, I'm going to do this, your, your kids can't play on a Sunday. Like, uh, that, that to me is wild. Who does that? Like, you, you're stopping kids from doing what they love doing. That's what generates the passion and the, the, the allowing them to, to play it as much as they can, get as good as they can and learn and all that type of stuff. I think that's crazy. We've heard some crazy rules come along too where, where players are being managed, uh, even at super rugby level. They can't play them more than six games in a row. I mean, how, you know, before having a rest, it's in cricket, we've heard about bowlers' workloads and, and sports science coming in. To, to me, it's absolutely crazy, and I reckon you've nailed it, about doing what you love doing. And it, uh, you're only going to get better by keep doing it and, and keep playing and keep experiencing it. Mate, before I let you go, you've been very generous with your time. Um, Just word on the street over in Japan. I mean, we're, we're hearing different stories about Eddie Jones before the World Cup <laughs> interviewing for a job in Japan. I mean, what what's your intel? What's your local knowledge saying and telling us? Mate, that, that room has been around for a while, I think. I um I got back and heard about it and I spoke to some of the coaches here and they said that they'd heard, heard it as well prior to it being... Um, being made public knowledge. So, mate, I don't know. I don't know. Eddie seems to be the type of person that's very... He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's very calculated and premeditated. So, I don't know, mate. I, I couldn't tell you. I've, I've got a lot of respect for him as as a coach and as a person. You know, I, I knew him when I was a lot younger, but, um, oh, mate, I couldn't tell you what he's doing. Nah, that, that's fine. I thought that. Just wanted to get some local knowledge and, and picking your brains to see what uh, see what they're saying in that part of the world, mate. Appreciate your time. Let, let's hope we can watch and watch with some pride. Uh, you know, this weekend, if 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 and when Australia get through, mate, we um we can tell the passion and the hurt in your voice too. So thank you for uh, thank you for joining us again, mate, and all the best for uh, over the over the uh, over the Christmas uh, period and getting into uh, getting into uh, the Japanese system. Uh, Will Genia there, twenty past ten this Wednesday morning. Yeah, some texts coming through. To I'm going to get to them and address them after the break uh, as well. Thirteen thirteen fifty five oh four six seven seven three six seven three six. If you want to be part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. Yeah, 10.31, thanks for your company this Wednesday morning. He has got a bit on his plate right now, as we've been hearing today, but I am glad to say that Mal Meninga, the Kangaroos coach, uh, has given us a few moments of his time. Mal, there is a bit going on. How's your last 24 hours been? Yeah, it's been pretty hectic, Ben. Um, the last week has, actually, um, but it's been exciting. You know, I love rugby league, as you know, and um, uh, looking forward to the Pacific Championships. My, and I, that's what I do want to talk about, but um, we've just heard in that news update then about, about Josh. Um, do you have any clarity on where he stands to play uh, for Australia? No, not at this stage. No, so we all know that it's, it's in the hands of the integrity unit and then it's going through their process at the moment. So um, we're kind of hoping we'll have a decision by the end of the week. Uh, it's only Wednesday. So, you know, we're going to camp uh, on Friday night um, in preparation to go and you know, fly up to, to Proserpine on the Saturday. So um, we've got another couple of days. Proserpine. I love that you're basing yourself in the tropical north. Yeah, and no, it's a little thing that um, we feel is really important. So we want to connect back into community. So, um, you know, some of the teams that we're going to base ourselves at Early Beach for a few days, and then we're going to do a little road trip up to Townsville you know, before the game to Samoa. We'll stop along at Bowen and hopefully Home Hill and Air um, just to say hello to all the locals. And 
And the second game is down in Melbourne, so we're going to base ourselves in Albury. So we want to obviously, you know, invite people around the area, rugby league people in the Riverina area to come and, and spend some time with the team. Mate, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, Sam, Slam and Sam, who presses the buttons and plays all the music, his eyes just, yeah. ears just peaked yeah. up because he's just spent the weekend in Early Beach on his end-of-season footy trip. So he, he just heard Early Beach. <laughs> How'd he go? Well, 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 he obviously survived, so good on him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he got a singlet. He picked up a singlet for some reason. I, I don't know why. Something about best on ground, but I don't know what that means. Um, mate, uh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a story for another day. How is Nathan's knee? We're, we're hearing different reports about that as well, Nathan Cleary. Yeah, so um, we believe it's not it's not good. So at the moment, obviously, we're getting uh, some feedback from the, the uh, Panthers uh, just around um, the, um, obviously, severity of his injury. So we've, we're there in consultation with our medical team. So uh, at this stage, it, it mightn't be looking good, but um, we'll get some confirmation later on today. Do you have someone in mind who might come in? Oh, we've got a number of, of players, obviously. Um, that you know, we've got the the Carla Pongers and the Reese Walshers and the Dylan Edwards, the Nico Hines, Cody Walkers of this world that could you know, come in and and fill that fill that spot. And um, obviously, you know, when we we pick a team, there's always people that miss out, and the headlines today is all the people that misses out. So I guess you know, one of those players will be in consideration if if um, Nathan does pull out. KP covers a lot of territory for you, doesn't he? A lot of positions. Yeah, KP, yeah. He does, he does. <laughs> and um, his versatility his, his versatility is excellent, you know. So, And he's obviously the reigning M medalist as well. So, yeah, and he'll come into, into you know, deep conversation and, you know, be one of the favourites, I would imagine. Jeez, that, that puts Nathan's grand final performance at another level, doesn't he, if he's playing on a bung knee? Yeah, so it's a, an MCL, they, they tell me. So, yeah, I mean, you can play with those, uh, but obviously, you know, you're a little bit restricted. And, obviously, you know, after, after the fact, when you when you warm down, it becomes, you know, it's very stiff and obviously very sore. So, um, and then obviously celebrating for the last three days certainly doesn't help that either, <laughs> you know, with those injuries. So, um, at the moment, he's very stiff and sore. Um, obviously, we just need to understand when that stiffness and soreness goes out, how severe the um, the injury is. So that's that's got to you know, come with a scan. Mal, the, the theme of my show today is about loyalty in sport. And is there room for it in the professional arena? And we've been hearing examples of how there is and also how there isn't. And sometimes you need to make some hard decisions to, to move on for the benefit of the team, the benefit of uh, the, the nation, whatever it may be. You are massive on loyalty, and we love you for that with what you've done with through the Queensland era with the Maroons and even now what you're doing with the Kangaroos. Valentine Holmes is one of those that you've shown faith in. Can, can you talk me through your decision-making about having Val in this team considering what he's been through over the last six weeks? Uh, ben, but I'm not blinded by loyalty, you know, so that's a really important... Um, statement to make before you know we even get into this conversation. You know, loyalty in my mind um, has its place um, in society. You know, so certainly in, in professional sport, and uh, I'm loyal to those that, that have been you know loyal to me. You know, and they've obviously uh, had been successful in the past, and you know we've we've actually grown together. So I'm not blinded by loyalty at all. In, in Val's case, 
he made a big he made a big error error. Um, you know, he's admitted that, which is really important. You know, when you when you make mistakes, obviously you've got to put your hand up, you've got to take ownership of that and you've got to be accountable to it, which he has. And the game has punished him for that, you know, so he's accepted that punishment and that penalty. So what do you want what do you want to do next? I mean, do we do we keep on um, making him you know we keep on judging him on that, or do we say, listen, there is a redemptive feature in everything we do. Um, there's certainly a redemptive feature in sport. Um, we, are, we are young. We do make mistakes. Um, and we try to get on with our life and become good role, role models. And um, he's got a story to tell now. So that story that he's just been through, um, I think that's going to help many young people down the, down the track. And I know, and I've been uh, working with Val for a long, long time. I know he's a great person, a good person. So... Um, you know, um, and he's never let me down. He's never let the team down. And realistically, this is the first time he's ever let the game down. Mm. Um, so, you know, in my mind, in my mind, um, there is a redemptive feature and he deserves to be in this footy team. We've had listeners text in and saying it doesn't pass the pub test. How do you respond to that? Well, just, that's exactly what I just said. Yep. Um, you know, if... If you, you know, the listeners, you know, I mean, are we are we're all angels, are we? You know, in life, you know. So I mean, I could tell you a million things uh, that I did that I did um, when I was his age, and um, luckily there wasn't any mobile phones, you know. So, um, you know, for me, um, I've got a view. I've got a view, and I've got an opinion on on what happens. Um, is you know is my decision what I what I think and other people have got other different opinions and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and justify my decision um, my decision my decision and, and that of the group and it was unanimous by the way and then and, and the National Rugby League obviously made a statement along those uh, yesterday afternoon that um, he's he's paid he's paid the price and um, he's going to sacrifice one test um, which actually uh, takes him to a a huge milestone in his test career. So he's missing out on a huge milestone in his test career by not playing his 20th game. Mm. Um, so you know, he's got to he's got to sit back and, and wait for it. I'm excited about the debutants, Mel. I reckon you might be too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's always good. See, this is the thing about me too. Um, yeah, Ben. So you know, like I said before, I'm not blinded by it, but you know, it's it's really important that we do look to the future as well. We're not even looking to the future. I don't think representative football is about looking to the future. Representative football is about the best of the best at that particular time in their careers. And that's why James Tedesco is still their best number one. You know, he's he's, he's made, he's, his whole career has been an exceptional player. And he still was an exceptional player this year. Um, yes, you know, the, the Roosters, you know, weren't all that great beginning of the year. And he was copping plenty of flack, you know, for the, you know, through the, the Blues. Um, but he's one man in a man of seven, a team of 17, you know. So you look at him when the team started to function really well at the back end of the year, mm. and he was exceptional. And his work rate, along with Dylan Edwards, you know, I think they're the two best fullbacks in the game, to be honest with you, because purely on effort. And that's what you want to see. And not only that, he, that the effort that they do, but defensively they're outstanding. Their communication, uh, their ability to move their defences around, get them into the right positions, and to make... Yeah, those last-ditch tackles is exceptional. That's why James Tedesco is our leader. Um, and, you know, I feel he's, he's tremendous, you know, around the group. And uh, he leads by example. 
Yeah, I'm all for that. Mal, final one to you. One of those debutants is Katoni Staggs. He's a Broncos boy, but he, we've also seen him line up for, for Tonga. Can you talk us through the conversation about him wanting to play for Australia? Because I, I'm tipping he would have had to convince you to say, hey, I'm, my allegiance is with the green and gold now. Oh, we asked those questions, Ben. Um, and I mean, and Katani was very genuine in, in his answer. Um, his his father's wish for the, that he, he fulfilled was to you know, play for Tonga in some in test matches, and uh, which Katani did. Um, and he did with great pride and success, you know, the Tongans team Bitterson in uh, 2019 when he was playing 5'8". Yeah. And, but his, his dream uh, is always to put the green and gold jersey on. And, you know, in his... And his convictions and his passion, um, that's his number one. And that's what I place first and foremost with any player that wants to play in the green and gold. They've got to have a passion for it. It's, you know, that's who they want to play for. And Katoni wants to play for Australia. That's his dream. It's always been his dream, childhood dream. He's fulfilled his father's wishes, uh, but he wants to move on in his, his own life now and, and prove that um, he's worthy of a green and gold jersey. Mate, I really appreciate your time. I know it's busy. You've got a few things on your plate. We will let you go. It all starts next Saturday. That is the 14th in Townsville against Samoa, the Kangaroos in the Pacific Championship. Mal Meninga, the Australian coach, very open, very honest, very generous with his time as well. It is a three-week, or actually a four-week competition. Uh, Australia has the second week off. Then they, after Townsville, they head down to Melbourne to play the Kiwis. That is in late October the 28th. And all things being fair and equal, if they do make the final, that is in the 4th of November, Saturday, 4th of November, uh, at Hamilton. Mal and I have spoken about that before. Hamilton Stadium there, where the crazy locals get up in cherry pickers with chainsaws, revving up the crowd. Can you imagine that? Well, we'll see. If the Aussies get there come November, we wish them well. It is coming up to 10.43 this Wednesday morning. Uh, anything you've heard from Mal there, pique your interest, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. He was very open. He was very big on Val Holmes. Redemption. He's paid a price. What do we do now? Keep him down? Or does he need to pay more of a price, in your opinion? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Uh, 10.48, thanks for your company this morning uh, and my chat with Will Genia and Mel Meninga. A lot of feedback coming through for both of them. Lee on the text saying, Mel, playing for Australia is an honour. Where's the honour in what Val Holmes did? I think it's a reward for bad behaviour. So there we go. That That's Lee's take on it. Uh, the redemptive feature and redemption, owning up to your mistakes. It's not what Lee thinks it is about. He thinks it's a reward for bad behaviour. In the terms of Australian rugby, well, where do we start here? Reese, he said, I grew up in rural Queensland. I had the Maroons, Storm, Cowboys, Broncos, Lions and Suns all make the effort to run clinics out there. Never once saw the Reds. Well, I can know for a fact that that has changed under the leadership of Brad Thorne, even though Thorne is not there anymore. The Reds to Region program is something that he developed and was big on getting Queensland Reds into Queensland. They're not just Brisbane-based. 
well, not just representing Brisbane, they're representing the whole state. And what they did pre-season with their Res to Regions program is outstanding. But again, that's only something new in the last few years. Reese, when he was growing up, you didn't see it. Uh, years of neglect of the grassroots of the game. Eddie Jones isn't to blame. Uh, no names on these texts, but the numbers coming through. Uh, downhill after the Israel Folau incident. Too much money went into lawsuits rather than grassroots rugby. The fees are ridiculous. That's what Wilgeny said, isn't it? More investment into grassroots rugby. Stop trying to fix it from the top. Fix the foundations first. World rugby destroyed Australian rugby. It's doing it now to New Zealand. People prefer rugby league. And this one should have kept Dave Rennie as the coach. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. Near the wind-up stand. <clears throat> Ladies, this is the best damn trifle I've had bar none. Swear jar, Mr Simpson. Swear jar? What's that? <laughs> um, I was wondering why you were playing Crackerjack, Sam. There we go. And I'm glad you pulled out of that swear jack because I'm sure there was a line after it that would have been bigger for Mick Malloy had that have come off. Uh, we are playing Crackerjack because we are about to do a Bowls update, all thanks to Apia, proudly supporting Bowls Australia. Apia, the go-to insurance for retirees, call 135050. Get set, go. All right, well, the national championships are on this weekend at Sorrento. That's in WA. It's a televised event. So what about this? It's a bit like it's a bit like Big Bash for bowls. Yeah, more exciting bells and whistles, and it's, uh, it's going to be all the way through to uh, November as well, which is outstanding stuff. But what we had here on the Gold Coast last month was the World Bowls Championships. Uh, Taylor Bruce from New Zealand was crowned the women's singles winner. Australia defeated England in the women's fours and also in the men's pairs. It's always good to get one over the old enemy, isn't it? Although the Scots came in and defeated the Aussies in the men's triples. Scotland defeated Australia in the men's four as well. So there we go. We've got the Scots defeating the Aussies. We've got the Aussies defeating England. But at least we got one over New Zealand in the women's triples as well, which is absolutely fantastic stuff. There we go. A bowls, date, a bowls update, all thanks to APR. Proudly supporting Bowls Australia. They are the go-to insurance for retirees. That number again, 135050. Get set and go. Uh, 10.51 is the time. I'm just looking at a few of these other messages coming through in relation to what I was talking yesterday about Adam Reynolds. It did hurt me to say it, but the game management for the Broncos in the last 20 minutes of the grand final wasn't there. And we know who the game manager is for the Broncos, right? So on that, messages coming through after the show yesterday saying, bang on, Reynolds' kicking game was not good enough. Every kick was being caught by Edwards on the full and making 20 metres in kick returns. Why did they go the short dropout? It has to be a team strategy led by the coach. I'd like to know the percentages of that play. Well, the, the, the short dropout now is is the go-to play, isn't it? The dropouts to try and get the ball back. It seems to be not just the Broncos. It's across the board. Um, oh, this one. Souths knew of Adam's abilities and shortcomings. That's why they didn't go over the top with their offer. Which is, that's a bit harsh. I, I did preface it by saying that the Broncos aren't in a grand final without Adam Reynolds and what he's done this season. That, that's a given, right? 
the game management just wasn't there when it needed to be. Uh, this one is saying not on Reynolds' shoulders, but if you reverse the scores, Penrith put that game to bed, then they learn from it and get better. Uh, watching the game again, Walsh was caught out and way out of position in almost every key moment for Penrith. Got lazy, thought they had the win after being 16 up. So so many of you still have thoughts on grand finals. I know it's now Wednesday. It is taking us a while to get over, isn't it? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. 10.53 this Wednesday morning here on SENQ. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Twenty-five degrees this Wednesday morning, eleven a.m. Thanks for your company here on the new home of Sporting Queensland, SENQ six ninety-three a.m. and Brizzy sixteen twenty on the Gold Coast. Ben Davis with you until midday today. Uh, we are doing it all thanks to Macca's proud sponsors of Little Legends supporting grassroots sport in Queensland. Twenty-five degrees here in our great state, our great city. And I do have a little chuckle because I'm looking at the forecast at Mount Panorama this weekend. Tomorrow, four degrees. Friday, one degrees. Sunday for the big race, a minimum of one degrees. I shouldn't laugh, but I bet you my next guest is going to be feeling and is packing the long johns. He is the leader of our pack. He's the leader of the SEN coverage for the Bathurst 1000. I am speaking none other than Aaron Noonan. Aaron, good morning or good afternoon. It's lunchtime where you are now at the mountain. It's about that time, Ben. G'day to you. Uh, unfortunately, you're correct. Uh, as we speak, I'm seeking refuge because it's raining here at Mount Panorama on what is Setup day. The uh, the teams have got their transporters here. In fact, they're just coming back to the the track, having been in town for the uh, parade through the city for the the locals and the fans to to see the trucks and, and meet all the supercar drivers. But uh, yeah, the forecast of an evening very chilly during the day. We're expecting a, uh, some tops between 15 and 19 over the four days, and there's going to be some rain around. So uh, a standard Sunday afternoon, the Bathurst 1000, a bit of weather. Perfect mix for a bit of action, I reckon. Mate, I'm looking at the forecast. So today, wind and race, wind and rain increasing. Tomorrow, a clearing shower. Friday, a late shower. Mostly cloudy Saturday, and then Sunday, fog and sunny. So I reckon you've gone the whole gamut. You're going to get it over <laughs> the next four days. You got everything. I think we've got a bit of everything. Uh, very much uh, ticking all the weather boxes, but that's what this place and this race and racetrack has done for many years. I mean, it's because this track's so long, Ben, it's 6.2 kilometres and there's the elevation going up the mountain. Yeah. So it's pretty common that it can be raining down here at the bottom of the mountain, which was, is where I am at the moment, where the pits are and the, the teams are. And the drivers at the top of the mountain are saying it's fine and lovely and it's dry. And, and people think they're crazy, but that's the, the reality. You can get two very different sets of weather at opposite ends of this track because it's... Uh, it's just the nature of the place. It's how it is. And as exciting as it is for two blokes to be talking about weather on radio, I mean, the, the, the most important part of this is how does this affect the, the, the setup? I mean, if a team is coming in on track tomorrow and it's raining, but on Sunday it's going to be sunny, how, how difficult is that for teams to navigate? 
yeah, they, they probably need to employ more meteorologists than race engineers sometimes <laughs> in supercars because, it, yeah, it does change things. And you've got to set up your car accordingly. And, and one of the things that they've got, of course, this year it's all new cars. We should tell yeah. you listeners on SCNQ that the supercars this year, they're Camaros, they're Mustangs. They're completely new. They're different to the cars that they've run here in previous years. So the tyres are different. The way they react is different. The way they set up are different. Uh, they have less aerodynamic grip, so the wings aren't as effective as the previous generation of cars. So uh, the teams and drivers are going into kind of an unknown here because this is not a track that you can come and do test days on during the year just to get your eye in and see how you're going. <laughs> this is a public road during the year, so you don't get that luxury. So tomorrow when practice begins is their, their first look here. And, yeah, the changing conditions are part of the constant thing that they're, they're watching for over the course of the next few days. But... Uh, yeah, it, it really does make what is already a difficult event to win even more difficult when you have to factor in all those elements. Yeah, the great race is live on SENQ. All the action from Bathurst uh, starting, well, Saturday, 3 o'clock. You'll be able to hear it across uh, the airwaves and online as well, the SEN app. Download that. There's so many great stories coming out of this weekend, Aaron, isn't there? It's the 60th anniversary of the great race. Um, we know it could be Shane Van Gisbergen's last but, I mean, really, surely he's a gun for hire and comes back next year, doesn't he? He is uh, basically turning left for a living in the States. <laughs> I think it really depends on what his calendar looks like next year. He's going to have a bit of a hybrid year of involvement in various different NASCAR categories. So it's just going to be a case of how's his diary and how is the Supercars calendar because Supercars calendar for next year hasn't been announced yet. We're not expecting any real wholesale changes to the big events, but... The Sandown 500 in Melbourne in mid-September is kind of the nice lead-up race to Bathurst. So I'm sure if he's going to come back, he'd like to do both of them. So yeah. I think it really depends on how his diary and calendar falls because I'm sure Triple Eight would love to have him back in one of those Red Bull cars as a co-driver for either Will Brown, who replaces him next year from the Erebus team, or for Brock Feeney, who won the Sandown 500 with Jamie Winkup just a few weeks ago. Spoke to uh, spoke to Jamie uh, J Dub. When was that? Just after Sandown, actually. And I, and I asked him about that. I said, I know, I know well, we don't know yet what Shane's future holds, but I'm tipping if you're doing a contract with him, it's got to include Bathurst coming back. And he said, well, it's as if you were sitting in my office <laughs> writing up that contract. So yes, <laughs> there, there will be something in there to say if you're coming back, it's coming back, it's coming back for us. Um, it, it'd be a fairy tale farewell for him, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. And I mean, this this was the race that for many years he hadn't won. He started in supercars as a teenager back in 2007. And it took him until 2020 to actually get the job done and win the thing with Garth Tanner. Of course, they backed it up last year. So yeah. uh, they've won two of the last three. They're now split this year because Garth has moved on to drive uh, for the Grove Racing Mustang team alongside David Reynolds. And Shane's got a very capable Kiwi, Richie Stanaway, who raced in supercars a few years back, uh, went away from the sport and came back as a wild card at Bathurst with Greg Murphy last year and did such a great job that Triple Eight grabbed him to co-drive with Shane. And now Richie's landed himself a full-time drive next year with the Grove team to replace David Reynolds. So it really is a supercar silly season that's unfolding between uh, all the chairs for next year through this final part of the season. 
Now, mate, the breaking news coming out of uh, the mountain today is the meeting that we believed was going to be scheduled today between the teams and supercars to talk about parity. And I know many people sort of glaze over when it comes to parity and, and how we get these cars equal. But do you have any inside intel on, on what's happening there? And, and how big a issue is this going to be on the weekend if the Mustangs don't change their setup? Yeah, last I'd heard um, this morning was that that reported meeting's not going ahead. So the, the basic scenario is supercars operates on a parity system where um, both types of cars are supposed to have a fair and equal chance of winning. And it's down to the teams and drivers to do the best job. Yeah. So for the Ford teams, they've actually prepared a range of new parts for their Mustangs and they're seeking permission to use them. Now, um, some changes to the, the front bumper, trying to get the air to flow differently. Uh, I understand there's a, a rear wing change as well, potentially. So they're just trying to get um, what they feel they need to be competitive with the Chevrolet Camaros, which the Camaros have won every race bar two in the season so far. So um, on one hand, Chevrolet teams are saying, well, th there's a system that's in place for making changes, and this would be bypassing the system and therefore the rules. Ford teams are saying, well, no, we need help to be able to compete because we have a car that's just not able to race for the win on Sunday. Of course, this is the biggest race of the year. So this is the one that they want to be able to perform at. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different sides of the equation on the angle up and down this pit lane at the moment. And it, it could very well um, continue simmering away or it could explode any second. But uh, they're passionate, they're competitive, this pit lane with all these people here. So... Um, this has been a, a topic, as you said, too. The parody word yeah. is one that I, I guess a lot of people kind of glaze over. We'd rather talk about the racing and the star drivers and the, the anniversary year here at Bathurst, which is the 60th anniversary. But uh, it is a factor. It is a storyline. And it's uh, it's part of it all because at the end of the day, this thing's a sport on the weekend. But like most other sports, it's a, it's a business uh, during the week and everyone wants to have their business going well. 12 minutes past 11 this Wednesday morning. The great race, Mount Panorama, the Bathurst 1000 coming up this weekend. All the action. You'll be able to hear the top 10 shootout here on SCNQ. Aaron Noonan, who's going to be leading up our coverage, is on the line now. Well, let's talk about the 60th anniversary. And it's also a chance to, you know, we are parochial, the the Banyo, the Brisbane-based team, Triple Eight Racing. They, they can make some history of their own this weekend too, couldn't they? Yeah, they've been the, the dominators of this place in the modern era. And, I mean, we for so many years, the, the question was, could Peter Brock win 10 Bathurst? As if nine was no good. I mean, <laughs> it's still the record of anybody who's ever turned up to, to compete in this race. But with that win for Van Gisbergen and Tanda last year, Triple Eight now have won nine of the uh, Bathurst 1000s, dating back to their first one, which was 2006 with Craig Lowndes and Jamie Winkup. And a nice little aside that your listeners might like to know, that winning car has just arrived here behind me here at the track. And Craig, if it doesn't rain, he's going to drive that car in some demo sessions here among some other historic cars this weekend. So that's something pretty cool uh, to keep an eye out for. But yeah, Triple Eight aiming for 10, the 10 that Peter Brock couldn't get to. Um, and wouldn't there be a bit of an irony is that one of their drivers is Brock. Brock Feeney won the Sandown 500 with Jamie Winkup. So it could be a different Brock helping to get a 10 here this year in a 60th anniversary year. So the numbers might just line up. Oh, I like the symmetry and the sound of that, mate. Who's your, who's your smoky? Who's your dark horse? I mean, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Anything that happened over a thousand Ks, but is there anyone that's just sort of not been spoken about, which you think, hang on, we need to keep an eye on this, this team, this pairing. Yeah, there's a silent achiever here this season. So while all the publicity has been with the Red Bull team and the Erebus Coca-Cola team that 
fill the top four spots in the championship. A guy that's flown way under the radar this year is Andre Heimgartner from New Zealand. He's based on the Gold Coast these days. Uh, he's fifth in the championship almost by stealth. Hasn't won a race, but has had a few podiums and a, a pretty solid season. And he drives for Brad Jones. Now, Brad's a long-time Bathurst racer, team owner, who uh, got on the podium here six times but never won the race. It's his driving ambition to finally win the Bathurst 1000. He came close so many times as a driver. Um, he dearly loved to win it as a team. They're based in Albury. They're the little team that can, BJR. And uh, Andre's got a great co-driver too, Dale Wood. He races in the Porsche Carrera Cup Series and has been a winner there uh, so far this year. And they were actually one of the teams that got wiped out of the race in those early laps last year, you might remember, with that big accident at the chase when oh, yeah. young Zane Goddard speared off the road through the wet grass and came out the other side and skittled a few uh, cars at the end. They were one of those. So I reckon they're a smoky. Um, but you look at the championship points and say, well, he's fifth. How can he be a smoky? But um, he's not a guy that gets big attention. He's not really on the radar of most people who are looking to tip the winners. So I wouldn't mind betting car number eight. He's a, he's a fairly good contender for, for Sunday afternoon. Number eight, keeping an eye on that. Well, let's finish off with championship uh, implications and uh, the enduro rounds we've seen after Sandown. Where does it all lay? Where does it all sit as far as championship points? Because we know we're at the pointy end of the season. Yeah, it's business time. We've only got five races left to go across three rounds, Bathurst, Gold Coast, and uh, the Adelaide 500 at the end of November. So I think you won't really hear any drivers talk about their championship chances until this one's done because there's 300 points on the line for the race on Sunday. So there's there's great potential here to get a big, fat boot full of points. Mm. But there's also the chance that if you stuff it up or if you have a drama, you might end up with a big fat zero or with very minimal points while your rivals are, are scoring plenty more. So the guy in the box seat at the moment is Brody Kostecki. He drives for uh, the Erebus team. He had a run in NASCAR earlier in the year at Indianapolis as well. Uh, he's not won this race before. He's been close in the last couple of years, uh, but he's a really big contender. But he's got a nice margin uh, in the championship points. But I think that all goes out the window this weekend. It's that Peter Brock trophy. It's that glory of winning the great race that... Um, that stands out above all else, and then they'll, they'll kind of get back to the championship focus uh, for the next round on the Gold Coast. Aaron, appreciate your expertise and your insight in, into this. Um, thank you for bringing us the coverage over well over the weekend uh, uh, from Bathurst here on SEN. It's, it's one of the great sporting weekends and sporting rituals uh, in, in this country, mate. So lap it up and enjoy the 60th anniversary. It shall do. And while we've been talking, the rain has stopped. Maybe that's an omen. Maybe not. You never know. <laughs> it's probably raining on top of the mountain now. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, it's going to be exciting. Either way, Aaron, appreciate your time. Aaron Noonan, uh, the Bathurst 1000. I, 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 I loved it as a kid, Dickie, Brocky, just watching them all. I know that was Holden and Ford. And yes, I'm a Holden man, unashamedly. Grew up driving an HG Kingswood that mum and dad had since brand new, 1971 HG Kingswood. One that we call Roy. HG and Roy. Of course, so hold a man through and through, but always had a soft spot for Tricky Dicky, the Queenslander, and um, and what he could do on the mountain in that uh, true blue 17. Ah, oh, brings back memories. Do, do, do you still make a day of it now? Do, do you sit there and, and watch the whole thing from start to finish? 
It is one of the all-time great sporting events, doesn't it? Bathurst Memories. What's your favourite? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Usman Kawaja is now at the crease for Queensland. The Queensland captain, Bryce Street, 40 not out. Uzi, 5 not out. Joe Burns, second ball duck. Queensland, 2 for 64 in the Shield opener for the season against New South Wales in Sydney. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Slam and Sam pulls out a bit of Space Jam. Wow, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. <laughs> what was that line out of Happy Gilmore? Anyway, the reason we're talking that is, yeah, we've got a brand new segment, which is outstanding stuff. It's all thanks to the Australian Industry Trade College, deliberatelydifferent.com.au for more information. It is our Rookie Player Spotlight. Each week, we are going to highlight a rookie, a debutante, someone who's just starting out and plying their trade in the sporting world. And today we are talking about the Bullets' next big thing. And when I say big, Rocco Zukarski is huge. 17 years of age, seven foot three. Oh, yeah, handy to change a light bulb, but has to duck when he walks through doors. He has just walked through a plane door. That's right, the Brisbane Bullets on their way to New Zealand. They take on the Breakers tomorrow afternoon. They've got to jump back across the Tasman, head back here Saturday night. It's the Sunshine Stoush against Cairns. So it's a big double weekend. But coming off the weekend he's just had, making his debut for the Bullets, was unbelievable. And I spoke to him before he jumped on the jet to get across the Tasman. And I started by asking a 17-year-old who made his debut for the Bullets. Sure, it was only... 28 seconds, but it was a huge 28 seconds. Had his feet touched the ground yet? Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's been um, a pretty surreal experience um, being able to debut uh, in front of all my family and friends and, and people that have watched me uh, develop through the few years. It was um, definitely exciting and, and um, you know, maybe I'm still riding that high a little bit, but I'm really excited for New Zealand this, this week. Let's put it in perspective. It was 28 seconds, your debut. But, but, but before you got on court, when, when you stood up, you're suited up, you're ready to come on, the crowd went nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was crazy. You know, I, I, knew that, um, I knew that Brisbane loved the Bullets, um, but I didn't expect to have, you know, that amount of support. It, it was crazy to me. So that was really good. Mate, Brisbane are loving you, and then you get on court and, and deliver. I mean, I don't know too many blokes on debut who would actually do that, but as a 17-year-old, age doesn't matter, shouldn't matter, but you get on there, and in 28 seconds, you dunk the house down and then pull out one of the biggest rejects, just bang. <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, it was great. You know, I went in, and you know, I thought, I thought to myself, like, you know, just go out there and see what I can do. So it was great to get those... Um, you know, first game nerves out the way and, and hopefully building towards, um, you know, some bigger roles hopefully in the future. Just between you and me, how many times have you watched it back? 
probably a few too many hey <laughs> no I, i'd just have it on repeat at home i'd just have youtube on repeat just playing over and over and over again hey mate in all seriousness you just spoke about getting you know bigger roles um this weekend you've you've got a double you've you're about to um hit new zealand the breakers tomorrow afternoon then you've got to get mm-hmm. straight back on a flight and it's cans at nissan arena on saturday so justin the coach said more game time this is your role this is your time to shine so you can share that responsibility over a double weekend Mm -hmm. yeah no i think um you know over a double weekend there's going to be more opportunities to present myself and and you know that's something that i'd love to do but at the end of the day you know i'm I'm here to play a role and no matter what that role is you know i'm going to put my best foot forward and help the team as best as i can Okay, on that, does the role change game by game or has Justin sort of spoken to you, this is what I want from you this season? Yeah, I think it varies. Like, there'll be some games, you know, where where hopefully I'll have a bigger role and, and, you know, I've talked to Justin about that and there are some conversations to be had around that stuff. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, it's super exciting to be on, on this Bullets roster and, you know, no game time or 20 minutes. You know, it's always fun to be out there with boys. Rocco Zakarski, my guest this morning. It is the Rookie Player Spotlight, all thanks to the Australian Industry Trade College. And what a rookie we have here. He has a massive future in front of us. You just spoke about being on a Bullets roster. Uh, That roster includes Aaron Baines, thank you very much, and Nathan Sobey, Boomers, Mm -hmm. uh, Olympians, NBA experience. I mean, what, what you just, the knowledge you can just learn by osmosis from these guys. Yeah, I mean, there's so much knowledge just, you know, being around the team. And, um, you know, I got to experience that at my first Boomers camp with um, with Sobes, like having all those people around, you know, especially now with the Bullets, like Bainsey and Sobe, you know, such a wealth of knowledge and, and everything to pick from them. You know, it's been great. And they've been helping me out a lot with this, um, you know, my rookie year. It's great. Rocco, I want to delve into your story and just speaking to you now for the first time, you sound very grounded and, and knowing that you're part of um, the Next Star program, you know, there's already talk of NBA, you are the next big thing literally, but you've been that for a long time now. Where mm-hmm. does that grounding come from? We, we know mum and dad have got a sporting background. How much have they helped you in this in this journey? Yeah, I think you know that they've been great my family even even my siblings they've been great and and obviously all my all my close friends you know um obviously it's it is surreal to, to all of us that i am where i am but at the end of the day there's still so much work to be done that you know you've got to stay grounded to be in it so to me that's the biggest thing is just you know there's so much more to go and my family really helps me realize that at seven foot three, basketball, you just go, it's a no-brainer. But it wasn't always basketball, was it? You, you were almost going to follow dad's footsteps because he was an Olympic swimmer for Germany. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, um, Yeah, I had a big decision to make when I was about 14 if I wanted to um, go down and join the AIS to play basketball or if I wanted to stay home and, and train with um, you know, some of the best Australian coaches in swimming. And I think that... Um, you know, my, my family were, were, you know, happy with any decision I wanted to make. And, and um, you know, I loved swimming a lot. Um, but basketball was, was the obvious choice for me. You know, I felt like I had so much more to do. And, um, you know, I just wanted to see how far I could go. 
What what was your discipline in swimming? Uh, I was a fifty meter freestyler, so I was sprinter just like that. Like you dive in the pool, you'd come up and you'd be halfway there. I would have thought it at your height. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> hey, hey. And we can't just—I mean, the pedigree. Yeah, Dad, Bjorn, Olympic swimmer for Germany, but Mum, surf lifesaving and triathlon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was um, an Iron Woman. She's done, you know, everything in the in the surf lifesaving world. So, you know, I grew up around the water, and I grew up around a bunch of of high level athletes. You know, so to me, it was always chasing that goal of, of you know following in my parents footsteps of becoming a, an elite athlete so that's really what you know i guess kept me motivated was having those people around me all right how, how do you celebrate a, a win mate with the bullets because traditionally crowning a victory with a with a beer or a drink you can't do that yet can you yeah no that, that's not for me right <laughs> now i uh you know go back into the locker room have my family with me and um you know, have a good feed and, and just chat about the game. Um, so that's me right now. Yeah. What's your, what's your celebration drink of choice? Oh, nice, nice ice cold purple Powerade. <laughs> purple Powerade? Is that the grape flavour? Yeah, man. <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love, gotta love the grape. This journey so far, uh, what, what has been the biggest eye-opener? for you coming in and, and, and bashing bodies with the big boys in the NBL? Um, I think the biggest eye-opener to me was just, you know, the, the professionalism of anyone, you know, whether you're a first year or it's your 15th year in the NBL, everyone is trying to maintain that, that level of professionalism on and off the court. And, you know, it's so different to what I've, what I've been around, what I've experienced, you know, that, you know, they, they treat their bodies so well with, with what they eat, how they recover, you know, how they train, you know, it's all down to a, down to, you know, a dot of, of what they follow and, and their daily routine. So I think that's been the biggest eye opener is how much people work on themselves to, you know, perfect their craft. It, it's crazy to me. Well, mate, you keep up those purple power aids and we hope the celebrations are, <laughs> are, are, are long and strong this season. For the Bullets to come back from a 15-point deficit, it was nervous stuff during the first quarter. Does it give you the confidence, mm-hmm. this team, that you know you can almost come back from a- anything? Yeah, no, I think we um, we showed that we, we can persevere and, and that, you know, a lead at any point in the game, you, you're still able to create anything off of that, so... You know, we kept up our energy. We kept up our, you know, we, we did what we did. We executed. Uh, we, we played Brisbane basketball. So, um, nice. you know, that was really important to us. We maintained our image. And, um, you know, nothing went right for us in, in the first couple minutes of the game. So we knew that, you know, we may be down, but we're definitely not out. And maintaining that focus throughout the game, we're able to claw back and, you know, eventually get all the way through to the end. Righto, mate, you power on. Get back to the team and get ju- jump on that flight. Good luck against the Breakers tomorrow and then coming home for the Sunshine Stoush uh, this Saturday. Of course, SEN's call. You'll hear it from 6.30 Saturday night, tip-off at 7. And Rocco Zakowski is going to be a big part of the Bullets this season. When I say big, I mean big, seven foot three. Mate, thank you for the chat. Still hard to believe you're to 17, mate. Go well. No, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Rocco Zakowski there. Yeah, he's on his way to New Zealand now with the Bullets. And that was our Rookie Player Spotlight, all thanks to the Australian Industry College, a trade college. 
you choose real world learning, you can roll now. Now their website is one to jump out for, but it also one to look out for, but it jumps out at you because it is deliberately different. And that's their website. Just what they offer as far as schooling is. Deliberatelydifferent.com.au. You can enroll now for grade 10 and 11 in 2024. So parents, high school students, if you want schooling, if you want education a different way, real world learning, the Australian Industry Trade College. More details, deliberatelydifferent.com.au. Vanessa, standing by with the news hit at 11.35. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. All right, Queensland at lunch two for 73 in their opening Shield match of the year against New South Wales. That's in Sydney. Bryce Street leading the way, 45 not. It was Kawaja also at the crease with him, nine not out. Um, also some breaking news in the world of AFL. Um, let me have a look here. Yes. Uh, Brisbane Lions is the preferred destination of the Port Adelaide defender, Tom Doody. Doody, sorry, excuse me if I'm swallowing tea the wrong way. Uh, so he has said he is wanting to head to the Brisbane Lions as a preferred uh, option as a free agent coming to Brisbane. So we'll look for that to develop over the trade period. Uh, we were speaking about Mount Panorama and the great race. Well, there is going to be some great racing this week when it comes to our great partners and friends at Brisbane Greyhounds. Of course, Brisbane Greyhound Racing Club is the place to be. And we've got Luke Gatehouse on the line. Luke, plenty of action over the rest of the week. And tomorrow night, it's at Albion Park. Good morning, Ben. Yeah, it's, it's all happening and uh, really it never stops in the world of racing and particularly greyhound racing. There's uh, racing every day of the week and feature racing popping up all over the country and we start things off tomorrow night. We've got 12 races from 20 past 6. Dave Brett Memorial Final is our feature for the night and uh, 6.20 to 10 o'clock, it's a good night out and you can have a cold drink and a great feed here. Oh, I like that. Friday night too, Queensland's got a big representation in the semi-finals of the uh, Million Dollar Chase, and that's down at Wentworth Park. Yeah, so we've got three greyhounds made it through to the semis, and it's a really tough qualification process to get through. So our two stars, J's J and Magistrate, got their way through, and, and Volante for Chris Bryden, a surprise into the semis, but he'll he'll go well as well. So their race is five and six on Saturday, uh, Friday night Sorry, at Wentworth Park where those those three greyhounds will represent the state. Brilliant. And what about Sunday? Uh, we are talking great races, Mount Panorama, but there is a great race. It's the final of the Capalabar Cup. It's worth over 100 grand. Yeah, it's Group 2 for the first time this year, which is an outstanding uh, achievement for straight track racing, and it's the richest straight track race in the country. And uh, it's yeah. brought together a really good field, headed by Fernando Grand, who will be extremely hard to beat from Box 1 on Sunday afternoon. There we go. You've just got the whole week sorted for us, mate. Yeah, I had footy and footy and races all last weekend, and this weekend I've just got races, so <laughs> we'll get by. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not talk about the footy too much after the results from Brisbane over the weekend. No. Uh, mate, thank you. Uh, Luke Gatehouse from Brisbane Greyhounds. Brisbane Ray, Gre Greyhound Racing Club. You can find out more information online, brisgrays.com, for all your function and event 
information. All right, 11.47, creeping up to 11.48. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, it was at the beginning of last month, I brought you a story about a, a local hero. His name is Lane Storia, and he is competing around Brisbane, the southeast right now. Actually, competing, is that the right word? He is completing 36 half Ironmen over 36 days. He must be absolutely buggered. He's taken some time out now between, I think it's between the, the bike and run leg. Lane, good morning to you. Hey, guys, how you going? Yeah, you're good. What, what day are we up to now? Uh, day 34 today, so they're all starting to creep into one, I guess. So it's, uh, it's a bit hard to realise what day I'm up to now, so I've just got to keep looking at what sign I got on the scooter to remind myself. <laughs> how, how are you so chirpy and upbeat after doing 34 consecutive half Ironman? Oh, lots of sleep, lots of food. Um, yeah, pretty much just any any chance I get to recover, I use it as much as I can. All right, just refresh us. Half Ironman, uh, what is involved with that? The swim, the run, the ride. How how long are we talking here? So we've got a 1.9K swim, a 90K bike ride, and then a 21.1K run to finish us off. Right, you're swimming at Centenary Pool up there on Gregory Terrace. Uh, where's the bike and run happen? All from the back of the Stafford City shop. So we got a in the back of the car park there. We got our crew sorted in the back corner. We um, have the chairs and whatnot set up so that once we get in from the bike and the run, that we can just all chill out and have a quick bit of lunch and then get back out on the track. So yeah, it's um it's a nice little setup at the back of Stafford City shops. Outstanding. Now you're not just doing this for fun or just because it's there. You're actually doing this for a fantastic cause, aren't you? Oh, 100%. Well, I don't know what you mean. What's well, not fun about doing it all? But, yes, I am, uh, I'm doing it all for Cystic Fibrosis Australia. So, um, yeah, they're, they're um, a very close thing to my heart at the moment. And, yeah, we're, they're trying to raise $100,000 for the cause. How are the fundraising efforts going just a couple of days out from the finish? I think we've just cracked over 34000 35000 I've been... I'm um, getting the updates every now and again off my girlfriend and my parents. So, yeah, I think we're up to about 35. So hopefully we get that big final push over the um, the last coming days and everyone jumps on board and gets around it. If you do want to donate, Lano Insano is his Instagram handle and that's Lane, L-A-Y-N-E, Lano Insano to jump on and, and donate to uh, his cause because, as he said, it's very close to his heart because you've you've got some, well, you've got a very good mate who is uh, a cyst- who's living with cystic fibrosis. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I've got Brad. And I've also met a lot of, once I've started doing this for cystic fibrosis, I've met some of the nicest people in the world um, who have been living with cystic fibrosis. And, yeah, it's um, yeah really opened my eyes to, to the cause and, um, try and try and just change some people's lives and give back. All right, running just over 21Ks a day, swimming just under 2Ks a day and jumping on the bike then for a lazy 90Ks. Um, I've got to ask, how's the chafing? Well... The chafing hasn't been too bad. I'd, I'll share a little bit of... Uh, I've got a gooch pimple. It's halfway throughout. And um, I'll tell you one thing. That is one of the most painful things that you'll ever experience in your life. That's for sure. Mate, how are you overcoming that? How are you getting around it? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to uh, try and not sit on the seat as much as possible, you know? Just got to really stretch your legs out and... It feels like you sit on a, a boiling hot seat, I guess. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Okay, uh, 
I'm made of questions now. I'm made of questions. All right, hand up. Let, let, let's get. What about? I don't know. Talk me through some numbers. What, what about shoes? What about food? How much are you consuming? And what about pairs of? Oh. Shoes? Have you burnt through a few pairs of? Runners? Uh, yeah, I'm on my second pair of shoes at the moment. Um, I've eaten, oh, mate, I, I honestly couldn't tell you how much I eat. There's a, a good video that I'll probably chuck them off on my Instagram soon of me trying to finish my dinner the other night, but literally all day I just eat constantly. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you the number of food because it's just like I'm just having food shoved in my mouth constantly. So, um, yeah, and then I'm trying to drink about well, eight to ten liters of fluid a day, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a whole different task in itself. I reckon it'd be a challenge for me even if I wasn't doing the activity. All right. Well, what about the rain that's around today? I mean, you've been through the whole gamut. It's been hot. It's been some. It's we've had some wind and 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 colds over the last and and cold weather over the last month, and now you got the rain today. Oh yeah, the rain on the bike was um, oh beautiful. Why did we all come back like drowned rats and the wind and. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, not great conditions for bike, bike riding, but just some things you just got to knuckle down and get it done. I know you are insane, but you're doing it for a great cause. You've got two more days. Just keep pushing through. You're doing it with a smile, which sounds absolutely outstanding. Uh, congratulations again on what you've achieved so far and looking forward to that world record, 36 half Ironmans in half Ironman in 36 days. Unbelievable. He's our local hero here on SENQ. We're seven away from midday. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yeah, matter of trust indeed. Loyalty has been the theme of the show and thank you for staying loyal to me for the last three hours. Appreciate your company and I do have to correct myself. I didn't even realise I said this as I was choking on my tea. Um, Tom Duda is from the Crows, obviously not Port. I did I say Port? Well, there we go. All right. Apologies for that. Hey, Paul, coming your way, the $100 voucher to the Lord Alfred. It's got the best live sport, live music. Head to the Lord Alfred Hotel. For your text saying, Ben, loyalty only works when it goes both ways. I'd rather see a great player retire a year too early in their prime than a year too late when everyone remembers the last poor season. On that, thank you for your company. Until next Tuesday at 9, good luck, good hunting. Fire up, Santa Pan!